to Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. What it takes to become an overcomer. Revelation, the second and third chapter. There in the first part one, you'll see that we covered Ephesus and Smyrna. What it meant for those in Ephesus that left their first love. First love is the Lord Jesus Christ above all things. And he said, repent and do your first works over. Because if you don't, I'm going to remove your candlestick, that candlestick, out of its place. The light that you have in the Holy Ghost. God said, I'm going to remove it. And uh, unless you repent. Now that means no light. You lose everything you have. We have to keep God number one. We have to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Then we went to uh, Smyrna. In Smyrna, uh, they're poverty-stricken and having tribulation. But Jesus said, but you are rich. And he said, but I have somewhat against you. Uh, You have those that say they are Jews, but are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Now, we've covered that. The synagogue of Satan is uh, not a temple of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory, but as a synagogue of Satan. And why? And it states there in Romans 2, 28 and 29, that he is not a Jew that is one outwardly in that circumcision of uh, the flesh. That's how Jew was in the Old Testament. But he is a Jew that is one inwardly in the circumcision of the heart in the spirit whose praise is not a man but of God, Romans 2, 28 and 29. Well, they say they're Jews, spiritual Jews, that they've had the circumcision of the heart and the spirit. Because man has to believe with the heart. And with the mouth, confession is made in salvation. But you have to believe with the heart. And these said they were there. We're Jews. We are those spiritual Jews that have had the circumcision inwardly, in the heart, in the spirit, but they had not. Well, what's the circumcision of the heart? We covered that. That's water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. There's many that sit in the church and say they are Jews, that they're spiritual Jews. They are the body of the Christ. Yet, they've never been water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ with the circumcision of the heart, the body of the sins being destroyed by baptism. Now, that's Romans 2, 28 and 29. That's Romans 6, 1 through 4, Colossians 2, 10 through 12, 1 Peter 3, in the days of the long surfing of God, when Noah, where eight, wherein eight souls were saved by water, of the like figure, which baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Now, we covered that in the previous podcast. If you want to reference that, it's the works necessary to be an overcomer, part one. Now we're in part two. We're going to that third church, Pergamos. That's where the Olympiads were, where Satan's seat is, where Satan dwelleth. It was the works of the flesh. The Olympiads, who could outrun the other one, competition, Focusing on the flesh and the strength in the flesh. Much like we do today in America. 
really all over the world with football, soccer, basketball, various, uh, uh, the Olympiad, and uh, putting great emphasis on that. Well, that's what they did at Pergamos. But we also find that Antipas is faithful, God's faithful martyr. As we read there in Pergamos, verse 12 of Revelation 2, reading from the Word of God, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write these things, saith he, which hath the sharp sword with two edges. That's the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. That's the word of the Lord, the voice of the Lord. And just like he always said to all seven churches, I know thy works. He's looking for perfect works, works that accompany salvation. And he said, I know thy works. He addressed every church that way. And where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. Now we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But here it was an earthly focus where Satan's seat is. And there, and thou holdest fast my name. They hold the name of Jesus. And hast not denied my faith. Even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, a faithful witness, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. Well, Satan's not on just the back pew or on the front pew. He's behind the pulpit. You'll find that he is always focusing on the flesh to do the will of the flesh rather than the will of God. Now, Antipas was a bishop ordained of John in Pergamos uh, there in 60 to 65 AD, somewhere along in there. He was burnt by Nero, sentenced to death, literally killed in a, uh, it was a brazen altar cut out to be a, uh, a bull altar. It was cut out to be a bull in an altar, and they bound Antipas and burned him there under the rule of Caesar Nero. Well, Jesus said he was my faithful mortar. He held fast to the name of Jesus. He was not taken away by these gains, Olympiads, and the things of the world. We have many of that today, that people know more about who is a star football player or basketball player or soccer player than they do the Word of God. There we have Pergamos. And it says there, I have a few things against you. Now here we go, the things. He's looking for things and faith. Faith is the substance of things so far, the evidence of things not seen. But he said, I have a few things that you're short in, in coming unto perfection, in being an overcomer, overcoming the world, you're, you're the devil in your own flesh. There's a few things in faith that you're short. I have a few things against you because thou hast them that hold the doctrine of Balaam that taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. Now you know in Numbers 23 and Numbers 24 that Balaam, a prophet of the Lord, as Israel was going through the land and going through Balak the king, wanted Balaam to curse the children of God. And three times he goes to God, and the Lord said, no, 
You cannot curse what I have blessed. And Balaam told Balak, I cannot curse these people. I bet for a filthy lucre for money because of hard harling. Many will say, well, I won't curse the people of God, but I'll show you how to put stumbling blocks before them. I'll show you how to put the little foxes that spoil the vine. And by doing that, it'll still get the same purpose accomplished. You can't just directly curse the people of God, but here's things you can do to cause them to commit fornication. And these are little lies that you tell on the body of Christ, that you usurp authority over the body of Christ. Some woman, man of God, used of God and a ministry, and you come against it saying little things that sow seeds of doubt, casting stumbling blocks before the children of God. When a person does that, and a believer, just as Balaam did, when uh, he was going forward, God was going to kill him, he said, with a sword out of his mouth. And as that flaming sword was there, the jackass that he was owned ran Balaam into the wall. And Balaam was so mad that he got up and was going to kill that donkey, that jackass. And when he did, the jackass spoke to him, said, was I want to do this? Have I ever done this before? This is something I've never done before. Why are you doing this? And Balaam was going to kill him. And then when he turned around and looked, we find at the angel of the Lord, there with a flaming sword to kill Balaam, said, if it wasn't for your donkey, I would have surely killed you. Now, later on, when the children of Israel in the land, they said, remember my servant Balaam, that he spoke against the children of Israel and kill him. It will bring forth death eventually. You can't get away with little things to promote yourself. Little things to promote yourself financially against the body of Christ, thinking, well, it's just a little thing. It's not a big thing. It's a little stumbling block. I'm not cursing them outright, but I'm throwing stumbling blocks out there. And that's exactly what uh, the doctrine of Balaam is, that it is okay and God loves you and the love of God will cover all that you do, even against the body of Christ. It's just not so. And uh, these things that were sacrificed unto idols, in other words, things uh, that were idolatry, lifting up flesh, saying things contrary uh, against the word of God that a minister or a member in the body of Christ are doing to sow seeds of doubt against that believer. They're the little foxes that spoil the vine. Now, you also have those that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Now, there was Nicholas, and that was there. They followed that false prophet. But there's also Nico to rule over Laetans. The very definition is to rule over the laity. In other words, not letting the Holy Ghost lead and guide and just be an example to the flock, but they want to literally rule over the body of Christ, saying that you can't do this or you can't do it on a vacation until you have the pastor's come permission to do so, and then they become 
the leaders and rulers over the body of Christ ruling over that body rather than the Holy Ghost. And it's very easy to do, especially when people seek their pastor to ask, what should I do? Should I do this? Should I not? And rather than seeking God, they rely on their pastor. That's a doctrine of the Nicolaitan. But it goes on and says, even to those, repent. He always gives us a chance to repent. Or else I will come unto you quickly. And I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Just like he did with Balaam. We have to understand the word of God and obey it. We find that sword also against God's own people in Amos 9, verse 9 and 10. There's a sifting going on among the nations and not the least grain will fall to the ground. That is God's planning, God's seed, the ones that have the word of God. And he said, not the least grain, not one of my believers will fall to the ground, but I will destroy all the sinners of my people by the sword, which say, no evil shall prevent nor overtake me. When you say that, that there's no tribulation or persecution or birth pangs, sorrows to bring forth a man child in you, Christ in you, and you do not understand the chastening rod of God, that tribulation worketh patience, patience worketh experience, experience worketh hope, hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Ghost, and you say, no, God doesn't do that. It's not going to prevent nor overtake us. You're lining yourself with Babylon, Mr. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth, that says, I said a queen. I am no widow. I'm already married to Jesus. He's the king. I'm the queen. And I will see no sorrow. I will see no birth pain. I've already arrived. I'm already perfect. A gross error. Jesus said, you are a sinner of my people and I will destroy you by my sword, which saith that no evil, no tribulation, no trouble shall, shall prevent nor overtake us. It's Amos 9, Amos 9 verse 10. Well, it's a very serious, serious uh, statement there that the Lord said, and we must know that there is a cross, not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer for his name's sake. And that is that tribulation, that persecution which we endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that we might be accounted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which we also suffer. A serious thing for salvation, because if we don't, and we're saying, no, we said a queen, and we are no widow, and we'll see no birth pangs, no sorrow. He said right there in Amos 9, 10, I'll destroy the sinners of my people by the sword, by my sword, which say that. Very serious thing. He that overcometh, the ones that, that will repent and go on to perfection. He says, uh, he that uh, that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit say to the churches, to him that overcometh, that is the young men, will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written which no man knoweth, saving he that receives it. Well, the hidden manna, when we see they go into Solomon's temple, 
we're going into the seventh month. Now Moses' tabernacle was dedicated in Passover. Solomon's temple was dedicated, even though it was finished in the month of Bull. It was dedicated in Tishri, Ethneim, the seventh month, in that tabernacle season. When that happened, when they took the Ark of the Covenant in, there was only in that testimony, the Ark of the Covenant, the tables of stone, the pot of manna that had put in, been put in there was not in that Ark of the Covenant. Now, why? It alludes to there in that season of tabernacles, the Feast of Trumpets, the ministry voice of Jesus, that the manna, the hidden manna had been eaten. The body of Christ was given that hidden manna. Why is it hidden? Because in Christ, in him, are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And Jesus said, I will no more speak to you in Proverbs. I'm not going to hide anything from you. I'm going to show you plainly of the Father, John 16. And in that day, you ask in my name, and I say not that I'll pray the Father for you. For the Father's loved me and given all things to me. He's been glorified by the Father's own self. You want to see the Father, you look at Jesus, who is the Father revealed. The revealed name of God is Jesus. The revealed name of the Father is Jesus. The revealed name of the Son is Jesus. The revealed name of the Word is Jesus. And the revealed name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. The only one Spirit of God, regardless of the function of the office. That's the hidden manna. It's a high revelation in Christ. And that white stone, it's a stone which the builders rejected. That has become the head of the corner. It's the white stone hewn out of a mountain without hands in Daniel 2. And it crushes the image to the beast in the feet, in the foot of it, of iron and miry clay, and the image falls. Babylon, Media, Persia, Greece, and Rome, the last day, man of sin, son of perdition, and all the kingdoms in it will fall, and the kingdoms of, of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Now, there's a white stone. Those that have that white stone, that's Christ. It's hewn out of a mountain without hands. It's God's work. And in that white stone, there is a new name written. You have to dig deep. It's not on the outside. It's in that stone, in Christ, by Christ, and through Christ. The wise man dig deep and founded that rock. There's that revelation of Christ. Not only in the height that he is the father, in the depth that he is the son, maybe, uh, God, uh, that had made himself of no reputation to become a man, Philippians 2, 6-8, but also the length and width of Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory, and we have love for the brother. Christ there, the body of Christ, meaning that we are the body of the Christ. We're bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. Christ the spirit, we're not. Christ, the body of flesh, we are. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. So there's a new stone, a white stone. And in that white stone, righteousness, there's a new name written. And only he knows that receives it. No one else knows it. You can't take this wine, this 
this oil of the lamp and give it to someone else because only he knows that receives it. It is the revelation of God to you in revelation that can't give to someone else when they ask you for your oil of your lamp, please give us of your oil. You can't do it. You want them to be saved, but you have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God that worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. You want to, you want them all saved, but you can't impart what you've got to, otherwise you won't have enough. So you have to get all you can and can all you get because it's going to be essential for us to overcome in the last days and be an overcomer. Anything short of that, we will not make it. And that is a reveal Jesus is the Father. And not only that, that Christ is birthed in us in a new name. That Christ in you, the hope of glory, though the outward man is perishing, yet your inward man, created after Christ, is growing in you from a baby to little children to young men. Young men are right here. They're the overcomers. The word of God is strong in them, and they've overcome the wicked one. There you are. And all these treasures are hid, and all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid in him. For in him are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's in Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9. It's Christ. And that is, you are the body of the Christ to come unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ as an overcomer. So we must strive to enter in at the straight gate. We must strive to be an overcomer doing the will of God in all things. Now we go to, that's the third church, Pergamos. We're not going to be given to the games and to the works of the flesh. We're not going to give to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans to rule over the laity. And we're certainly not going to be a Balaam that teaches the, the enemy to throw stumbling blocks in front of the children of God. But we'll wind up cursed, even as Balaam. And he said, I'll kill those by my sword. And if we say that we're not going to have any tribulation, we're not going through the great tribulation. By saying that, God said, you're a center of my people and I will destroy you. You've lined up with Babylon. Mr. Babylon the Great, the mother of Harlot, saying, I said a queen, I am no widow, and I will see no sorrow. No birth pangs for me. I've already got it. And because of that, God said, I'll destroy you. My people, the sinners of my people, by my sword, which say no evil. That evil there is rot, tribulation, trouble, shall prevent nor overtake us. Amos 9.10. Very serious accusation and a judgment there that will cost us our salvation. Uh, there we go to the fourth church. Now the fourth church is a Shamash. You'll have seven churches, three on one side, three on the other. And in the center is the center branch, the servant branch, the, the Shamash. It's with which all the other branches flow. And it's the center focal point, And that is Thyatira. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira. Right. These things say it's the Son of God. Here again, the things of faith. Earnestly contended for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Who hath his eyes likened to a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. Now remember, in 
Ezekiel 1 and Ezekiel 10. We see one coming out of a burning, folding fire. Color of amber, the hottest fire there is. And the appearance of a man. And it has a calf's foot as of burnished brass. Judgment. Polished brass. They'll call it copper in a lot of words. But it's brass, the brazen altar. It's judgment. If you're not in God, that judgment will be upon you. And this is the Lord in fiery eyes, the urine, that fire, that's the urine, to mean this perfections. But the urine is the fire, it's the Holy Ghost, and his feet like unto, you see here, fine brass, judgment. So we're talking the judgment of God here. And of course, when he first come, it was as a lamb. Now he's coming now, the line of the tribe of Judah and the wrath of the lamb. We want to make sure that we're overcome uh, and overcomers and we've overcome the devil, the world, and our own flesh. We want to make sure of that. And he says, I know thy works. He says that to every church because he's looking for works unto perfection to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, which is the faith that was once delivered to the saints. He said, I know thou works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. Well, it sounds pretty good. They're on fire for God. They have reached that mark of charity, added to their faith, uh, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, uh, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, uh, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. And they have that charity. But notice, he says, uh, notwithstanding, I have a few things against you. Uh-oh. Well, it sounds like a good church. And this is the Shamash, the servant branch. It's the middle one of the seven churches. Thyatira, it's the focal. And he says, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel. Oh, no, daughter of Ethbel. And that is that she calls herself a prophetess. They allow her to literally prophesy in that church things that are contrary to God in the rooty, tooty, fresh, and fruity are, if you will, peace and flattery. People love it. It, it lifts up the flesh. But it's not God. In the Lord, when he is a man of God, a woman of God prophesying in the faith, will be for reproof, rebuke, and for correction. It will be to help you, not to discourage you, but to help you come into perfection. Not to flatter you to where you think, well, God can't do this work without me. Being left that up in pride, you fall in condemnation of the devil. But Jezebel works that way. She told Ahab, well, Naboth, you want that vineyard of Naboth over there? He won't sell it to you. Just go take it. You're king. You can take it by force. This is politics. You can do whatever you want to do. You're the king. So he listened. The, uh, he, he listened to his wife, Jezebel. Ahab could have been a good man if he wouldn't have married to her. Uh, he did humble himself and was fasting before the Lord when he heard the word of the prophet. He said, see, Ahab humbles himself. But he listens to his wife. Instead of the Holy Ghost leading, we have a lot of pastors or ministers and 
and it's only natural. But instead of listening to the leading of the Holy Ghost, well, the wife will say, well, you should do this or you should do that. Instead of a leading of the Holy Ghost, the man asks the woman, well, what do you think? Well, I think we ought to do this. Well, then he does it. Well, uh, that then will ultimately uh, get him in trouble because you have to be led of the Spirit of God and God's the head of Christ, Christ's the head of man, man's the head of the woman, not the other way around. And there we hear directly in that order of God, that is the way he speaks. And they suffer this woman Jezebel. Let's go and read and he says, uh, you suffer that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess. God didn't say was a prophetess. She's a prophetess of Baal. She prophesies peace. She prophesies that you're going to be blessed. A house on the hilltop, cars, bank accounts, money, all of this is Jezzy. It's not God. Just like we see on Smyrna. Your poverty. Your poverty stricken, but you're rich. He's called the poor of this world rich in faith. But that won't preach in a pulpit today. You've got to have money in the bank. Otherwise, God is not moving for you. Well, that is totally ludicrous. God is moving for you. And he gives you the breath daily to do his will. You can, leave, you can look at Hebrews 11. They dwelt in caves. They weren't in mansions. They dwelt in caves, clothed with sheepskins and goatskins, of whom the world was not worthy. They didn't have some big bank account with pension profit-sharing plans, 401k, and an investment portfolio, rich toward themselves and not rich toward God. No. They were poverty. They were poor, but rich in faith, whom the world was not worthy. We see here that they suffer this woman, this Jezebel, daughter of Bethbel, that is prosperity. They suffer to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed to idols. The same as Balaam. It sounds good. That is, in uh, Pergamos, where Satan's seed is, it lifts up the flesh. It makes the flesh feel good. Olympiad, competition. Who's the strongest? Who's the fastest? Who can? Who is the star, the god of this game or whatever? Well, that's which is highly exalted among men is abomination in the sight of God. And man's life does not consist of the things which he possesses. We have it upside down thinking that riches is godliness. That a man's life does consist of the thing which he possesses, which is not so. Well, it says God gave her a space to repent of her fornication and she repented not. Why? Because it's pride. Lift it up in self and pride. And pride goes before a fall and haughtiness before destruction. And it's the pride of the heart that has deceived thee. She thinks she's right. Whenever uh, we have the, the driving of Jehu to come to that Jezreel, we find that uh, uh, he comes to Jezebel. And she's up there with eunuchs and she paints her face and puts a tire upon her head. And Jehu comes and she says, 
had Zimri peace that destroyed his master? In other words, you're wrong, Jehu. You're wrong in that I am the queen of Israel, married to Ahab. You're wrong. You're wrong in doing this. But he came at the word of the Lord. And there were eunuchs up there. He said, is anybody on the Lord's side? Cast her down. And they threw her down. And the horses literally stamped her to death. When, when they said, go ahead and bury, bury Jezebel because she was, she was uh, Ahab's wife and the queen's da a daughter there, bury her. They only found her hands and a skull, and that was it. Why? Because she had literally been eaten of her flesh, eaten of the dogs, just as Elijah, the man of God, prophesied. So we cannot think that we, because we are in a position that we have a platform that we can run over the body of Christ. Many think they can. They have the office to do it, and they think because God's given me the power, I can do it. It's lawful to do so. And it's just not so. Jezebel prophesies peace when there is no peace. She's the daughter of Eth Baal. Baal, prosperity. And Jesus said, you think I come to send peace on the earth? Not peace, but rather a sword. It said a man at variance. The father against his son, mother against her daughter, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. A man's foes will be those. Our enemies will be those of his own household. And we find that division when you stand for God. But she's for all the unity, all right, as long as you obey her. Peace and prosperity, money, calling, gain, riches, and she, does, she seduces the servants of God with that. Well, God gave her a space to repent. She wouldn't do it. She thinks that she has that right, and she winds up being dog meat. And it says, Behold, what, what's the judgment of God? I will cast her into a bed. The bed is your reward. The bed is shorter than a man can stretch himself on it. That's your rest in the Holy Ghost. You have to have that bed of rest. But he said, she, God said, I'll cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except thou repent of their deeds. Now, the great tribulation, somebody said, well, that means we're not getting into great tribulation because that's only Jezebel. When you take a look at that, and I've had some real great men of God that we discussed this while I preached at their churches all over throughout the United States, and that was one of the questions that came up quite often. What is that great tribulation there? Is that the great tribulation that we go through, or is that a pre-trib, or what, what is that? And it's definitely for Jezebel and those that commit fornication that do not follow the leading of the Holy Ghost in iniquity. And there are fornication, idolatry, covetousness. I had not known idolatry, save the law said, thou shalt not covet. In other words, we say we can serve God and then covet all these other things, houses, lands, cars, bank accounts, money. We can't do it. But she says we can. Everything's fine. God loves you. You can have all the world and God too. Well, any man love the world, the love of the Father's not in him. For all that's of the world, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh, and the world passes away with the lust thereof. But if Jezebel says no, I said, a queen, I have no widow, we'll see no sorrow. We're not going to have any trouble. You've already got it. God's blessing you. Money in the bank, house on the hilltop. You're going to have all this 
Just name it, claim it, snap it, and grab it. You claim it by faith. No, friend. No, no, no. We have to believe the word of God and suffer with him. Though we will, so we will reign with him, be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which we also suffer. Those that know God knows that we have to suffer with him. She denies that. He preaches a prosperity gospel. And because of that, God says she's going into the great tribulation. Not only that, but all those that follow her. Now, that is a wide uh, body of believers that still could repent, but follow this prosperity mess and are going to wind up in that great tribulation. Now, what is the great tribulation? Well, in 2 Thessalonians, the first chapter, Paul talks about that, and he had written one, one letter to the church at Thessalonica, and they thought the imminent return with Jesus was just any minute. So he sets another letter out to lay everything in order. And he says, Now your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you aboundeth one toward another, brethren. We're bound to thank God for you and all your tribulation and persecutions that you endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that you might be accounted worthy of the kingdom of God, why? For which you suffer. Now listen to this next verse. Seeing that it is a righteous thing with God to render tribulation to them that have tribulationed you, to render trouble to them that have troubled you, to render tribulation to them that have troubled you. Trouble is tribulation. So is it the great tribulation here? Is that God's wrath or is it the wrath of Satan? Those that have tribulation you, that is Satan, placed no more found in heaven for the devil who will serve the dragon, cast to the earth, woe, 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 be into the inhabitants of the earth, because the devil is cast down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he hath but a short time. That time is three and a half years, 42 months, a time, times, the biting of a time, three and a half years. Well, that's the wrath of Satan. That's not the wrath of God. That's the great tribulation of Satan. It's the wrath of Satan. It's a time the saints go through great tribulation or Jacob's trouble. And during that time, we will have a Mahanaam. We'll have a double camp working with us and the angelic work of there with the body of Christ in the book of the Revelation, which we'll get into later in Revelation 8. And the voice of these sons of all. It will be the voice of God, the voice of a multitude, the voice of Almighty God, the voice of many waters. It's the truth of God in those waters of salvation through the body of Christ. Now, we will get into that later in a later podcast. In the trumpets and the vials where it's filled up the wrath of God. That in Revelation 11, those two witnesses, the two servants of God, those two prophets are the body of Christ. There are two that bear witness. One, that's the body of Christ. Two, the Spirit. We see that in John 8. Now, what's happening here? Well, with the God said, I will cast them into great tribulation. That is the wrath of Almighty God. That's not the tribulation, the great tribulation of the devil, devil's wrath, having great wrath, knowing that he hath but a short time against the body of Christ. But it's the great tribulation, the wrath of Almighty God. And I'll cast them, 
that follow her into the old saying is you made your bed, you have to lie in it. Well, the bed is what you have cut out for yourself with your choices that you have made. Well, they have followed this peace, prosperity gospel when there was a sword that reacheth even to the soul. Jeremiah 4 states that. He said, Lord, it is as if you have deceived this people, saying peace. That's, that's Jezebel. That's Baal. That's Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, saying peace. And behold, the sword reacheth unto the soul. Well, that seems right to a man, but it's through this peace in Daniel 7, Daniel 11, that by peace shall destroy many. That's Jezebel. That's her doctrine. That is that doctrine of Balaam, that you have the right to do that because God's given you an authority, a position, a platform to do that, and you, you have every right to do it over the body of Christ and besides, they need a cross and you can add to it. <laughs> You're going to add to their sufferings. And God will bless you and you can have more, more money for doing it. And you're just helping God out. That is absolutely wrong and will have that individual believer a sinner and destroyed by the sword of God. So the great tribulation there, God said, I will cast them into great tribulation except they repent of their deeds, is the, the wrath of Almighty God. We're going through great tribulation. It's the wrath of Satan. It's not the wrath of God. But woe, 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 uh, being the them that take the mark of the beast. Those there will literally be cast into hell. And then go through the bowels of the wrath of Almighty God, which we, the body of Christ, are not appointed to. Well, this, here he is making that plain distinction. Don't follow a prosperity gospel of money. Many have veered, thinking that gain is godliness from such turn away. And all those that will be rich fall into diverse temptations and many hurtful lust. Don't do it. Don't fall for that. Prosperity gospel. Don't do it. Know that there's a cross and God's working in you. And there's a chastening rod of God. All that he loves, he chastens. And no chastening for the present time seems to be joyous, but afterward yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness. Where we come unto holiness, where we're partakers of Jesus, his divine nature. Well, there we have Thyatira. That's the main, that is the servant branch. That's the Shamash. That's the fourth church. There's three on one side. You have Ephesus, Myrna, and Pergamos. Then Thyatira is the center one, of which is the center focal. Then you have Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. But Thyatira is the center one. It's the focal. And the, the problem there is they're following Jezebel. They're following a peace. They're following a prosperity. A name it, claim it, snap it, grab it. Money's yours. Follow God. He's a divine slot machine. You give him a dollar, he'll give you 10, and all that's, that's which is straight lies. Straight lies. So we know we want to be partakers of his suffering. And we, if we do, we'll be partaker of the consolation, 2 Corinthians 1. 
He says, I'll throw them into great tribulation, which have uh, this, this doctrine of Jezebel. And he says, uh, they, unless they repent of their deeds, you can always come out and follow the true Jesus. But unto you, I say unto. Notice he says also, and I will kill her. This is verse 1 through, and I will kill her children. The ones that she has brought in into a false gospel, she's brought children in. I will kill her children with death. They followed a false narrative, a false Christ, a false Jesus. It was never. You're called to believe on Jesus and to suffer for his name's sake. Not only believe, but to suffer with him. That's the first thing Jesus said. Any man come after me, let him first deny himself, not lift himself, but deny himself, pick up your cross and follow me. Why the cross? Because you're going to crucify. You've got to crucify your will, your affections. And there, crucify the, the flesh with the affections and the lust. The lust of the flesh that wars against the spirit of God and the spirit of God warring against the flesh. And you have your, you can't have both. So he says there, all the ones that have followed this doctrine and were birthed into this, this false kingdom, calling it Jesus, many, uh, you know, following their pernicious ways and in my name deceiving many. Well, they thought it was a true gospel. But he said, I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he, that singular one, not a trinity, not a binary, not tunis, not a oneness where the man is not God. Christ Jesus, the man, is that spirit. He's been made a quickening spirit, 1 Corinthians 15, 45. Don't be deceived at that. There's only one God Almighty manifest in the flesh that Jesus, the man, is that spirit. And there, in the days of his flesh, he was emptied out of glory, made of no reputation. But now in his glorification, he's glorified with the Father's own self, set down with the Father in his throne, not beside it, in it. Revelation 3.21. That he alone is God. That same Jesus whom you crucified, God hath made him, both Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, and Christ, the Spirit. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the Holy Ghost, the Father in you now. That's Acts 2.36. All power in heaven and earth is given unto him, the man. Matthew 28, 18. He is that omnipotent God, omniscient, omnipresent. 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. The blessed and only potentate, omnipotent, who only hath immortality. Jesus only. Dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. Not Peter, James, John, nobody. Not Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, nobody. Only Jesus, the man who is and always has been God manifest in the flesh. And all the churches will know that I am he, that God, which searcheth the reins and the hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Works that accompany salvation to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Nothing else will go in and be an overcomer. He's looking for perfect works. Unto perfection. But he tells Thyatira, but that which you have, 
And this I say to you, and unto the rest at Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, this doctrine of prosperity, this doctrine of Jezebel, this doctrine of peace, this doctrine of the money, riches of this world is yours. And have not this doctrine of Baal, prosperity, peace when there is no peace. That is great delusion. And which have not known the depths of Satan. What's the depths of Satan? Pride. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. People fall for that. Well, God wants you to have money, finances, big cars, housetop, a house on the hill, and all this. When we are to crucify the flesh with the affections of the lust, and if riches increase, don't set our heart upon it, but always be willing to communicate or give to the cause of Christ. And therefore, always be rich toward God and not rich toward self. If you're rich toward self, the rich man and the grounds brought forth plentifully, and he said, what shall I do? I have much goods. I know what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. That's a good businessman in the world. They think that's the right thing to do. Expand your business. You're a good proprietor. You're a good sole proprietor, partnership, corporation, whatever the case is. And buy some hotels and investment properties and stocks, bonds, and mutual funds and get some uh, commodities while you're at silver and gold. What up? And they say, that's, that's good. That's great. No, it's not. Because... Whenever Jesus said, the grounds of a rich man brought forth plentifully. And he said, what shall I do? I have all this stuff and I I don't have, I'll pull down my barns and I'll build greater. I'll expand. And, And when he did, he said, so take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. You're at ease in Zion. Woe be to them that are at ease in Zion. Why? Because God said, I'll destroy you. He said, I'll search Jerusalem with candles and punish all them that are settled on their leaves, that are easy. You're not stirred up. He said, after he built greater barns, good businessman, he said, so take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry, for you have much good stored up for many years. You've got this thing made in the shade. <laughs> You're a good businessman. You're an entrepreneur. (laughs) Then a voice came from heaven that night and said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Why? Then whoso those things be. So is he, so is he that is rich toward self and not rich toward God. That's the doctrine of Jezebel. That's the doctrine of Balaam. And it's predominant in the church. And that's the reason Thyatira is the Shema. It's the center branch. It's the focal one of the church in the seven churches. And it's the center one, the fourth church. And that is predominant throughout Protestant religion. That get your money, get your finances. And God, godliness is gain. The more you have in money, the more God loves you. That is simply not true. And it is a very deceiving spirit. And that soul of that rich man was required of him because he was rich toward self and not rich toward God. How hard shall a rich man enter into the kingdom of God? 
the disciples, they were just amazed and said, well, then who then can be saved? And Jesus said, it's easier for the camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he said all things are possible. But with man, it's impossible. He can always repent. He can always go and communicate and lift God up and be rich toward God, not rich toward self. It's his choice. It's free will. It's their religion. It's what they want to do. Well, the doctrine, the doctrine of Jezebel, the doctrine that predominated in that church of Thyatira, all they had all these wonderful works they were doing. And the last to be great of the first in charity and all that they had done in faith. But they suffered that to come across the pulpit. They suffered that doctrine of Jezebel, that, that peace, prosperity gospel to come across the pulpit. And God said all the children that were birthed with that, came into the church for that, I'll destroy with death. That's severe. Very severe. God meant what he said, said what he meant. Now, enough on that. Don't be deceived. God requires us to crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust to do the will of God, what he was called us for in members in particular for the body of Christ in the unity of the faith. He goes and he says, he says, uh, now as many as have not this doctrine and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you no other burden. And he said, but that which you have already that you've obtained to in faith, hold it. Hold fast till I come. Occupy till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works, not words, works to the end. I can know all the word that I did, but I don't do it. I don't have any works that accompany salvation. Faith without works is dead being alone. And Jesus said, he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As a vessel of a potter shall they be beaten to shivers, even as I received of my father. In other words, everything that Jesus had in the days of his flesh as a man made an under the law, made of a woman, I'm going to give that same to you, the same glory. And he says, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Well, friend, we've gone through two more. That is Pergamos and Thyatira. The first uh, part one, we did Ephesus and Smyrna. In this uh, podcast, we have covered the next two churches, the third and fourth, which is Pergamos and Thyatira. And you can see we're on that center one, the fourth one, that tire, tire, that center one, the servant branch, the, the, the shamash, the one in the center, the focal, that it is this doctrine of Jezebel that predominates. And it's very alive in the Protestant churches throughout the world. We must be very careful. Well, we'll cover the other three in the next podcast. Be sure to tune in. There, if this strikes a chord with you and that is truth, the Spirit of God bearing witness with your spirit that this is the truth, we'd love to hear from you. 
In the unity of the faith, know them that labor among you. Give me a call. Dennis Beard, that's one, our country code, one plus, and that area code, 903-746-4885. I get many phone calls. Please leave a message. I will return your phone call. There you can also write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Or you can give us a question or a message on our websites, sealinggodspeople.org, sealinggodspeople.com, or dennisbeard.org. Thank you for your prayerful support and your generous offerings, whereby we're able to keep the podcast coming to you over the air. We pray over your offerings to bring 30, 60, 100-fold blessing that you might be for every good work for God. And God supplies the wants, not just your needs, but the wants of the saints. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold the real Jesus.